Well, we're, we're approaching our invite your one day. And I want to share the importance of what we're trying to do with that. And by bringing people and introducing them to Christ and Christianity, not only are we fulfilling what the Bible calls, we've called the Great Commission. How I many you know what the Great Commission is? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? And fulfilling the first part of our church's vision. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's our church's vision? It's three phrases. It's easy. Don't put it up on the screen. <laughs> What's the first one? Connecting to God. Building people. Offering hope. Right? Well, the first part of that is connecting people to God. And how do we do that unless we're able to bring them to Jesus? Bring them to God's house. Doing that, we also may have a greater impact on the gospel than we realize. You know, I've shared this, I've shared, the, the title of this is Operation Andrew, as you can see. I've shared this message before, it's a little, it's a little bit tweaked, a little bit different today. But it, 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 the title is actually not unique to me. It is actually, from what I understand, it came from the Billy Graham Crusade ministry. Years ago, we were able to work in the Billy Graham ministry in Pittsburgh when he was coming to town. And if anybody ever been involved in that? It is a very well-oiled machine. I'm telling you, it is laid out. And one of the things they make you do is they make, if you're going to be a worker at a crusade, they make you go to a class that they have called Operation Andrew. And there are little books you, you go through and all kinds of curriculum you go through to, in order to be an altar worker. And the whole premise behind Operation Andrew is, is based on the ministry of Andrew in the Bible. John 1.6 says, now we start out in John, seeing where John's at. And we're going to come to Andrew in a second. But we're going to find out what, what's going on with, when Andrew gets part, called into the ministry. John basically starts out the Gospel of John with John the Baptist's ministry. John 1.6 says, There came a man from, who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. So he's out there by himself starting to preach about the coming Messiah. He gathers followers. He gathers his disciples. And he tells them that, you know, I'm not the Messiah. He's coming. He's coming down the road. He's, I'm coming. It's getting ready to prepare the way for him. And he quotes Isaiah when he says that. He says, I'm simply a voice in the wilderness clearing the way for the Messiah. And in doing this, along comes Jesus. And John 1.29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So all of a sudden Jesus is now introduced to the world and his public ministry begins. And what is the first thing that happens with Jesus? In John 1.35 it says, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Jesus' first two disciples came because of ministry of John the Baptist. That's how they were called. And John clearly told them, look, I'm not the guy, but if you stay with me, I'll take you to the guy. So here we have an example of someone who's doing God's work Bringing people to Jesus. Not bringing people to himself, but bringing people to Jesus. 
And because he was faithful to do what he was asked to do, we now have two men who would be very influential in the world of Christianity. Now, it doesn't mention the first one's name, but most commentators believe it's John, the author of the book of John. And it does mention the second one's name. His name is Andrew. Now, you get John. Now, if you read through the Gospel of John, whenever it refers to John, he doesn't refer to himself by name. It's either the disciple Jesus loved or the other one. He doesn't like to refer to himself. But the two guys that came to Jesus first, the first one was John. And John's Gospel is probably the most referenced book in the Bible when you talk to people about Jesus. John 3, 16. When people come to know Jesus first, what do we encourage them to read first? The book of John. Why? Because that book encapsulates what we want to share about Jesus in a short manner of time. John, the Gospel of John, was written because John the Baptist brought someone to Jesus. Now, John the Baptist didn't have a long lifespan, didn't have a long ministry, but look at the ministry that John the Apostle had because someone brought him to Jesus. And now you have Andrew, and you hear even less about Andrew. In fact, the only time you hear about what Andrew's doing is when he is bringing people to Jesus. You know, one thing I know about this is you may not have, we may not have a lot of notoriety in ourselves, but maybe someone you bring to Jesus will be a catalyst for something tremendous. You think about it. Anybody know who led Billy Graham to the Lord? No. Anybody know who led D.L. Moody to the Lord? Or Charles Spurgeon? Or anybody else? Probably not. But because that, whoever those people were, because they were faithful to lead someone to Jesus, now you have a tremendous ministry by somebody else. People we bring to Christ could have a monumental effect on what Christianity is in the future. The world would be less if not for the Billy Grahams, the Moody's, the Spurgeons, all those guys but somebody had to do the work of bringing them to Jesus. John 1.40 says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And verse 42 says, and he brought him to Jesus. So you hear very little about Andrew, but look at the ministry of Peter and what Peter was able to do because Andrew was faithful to bring him to Jesus. In John 6, it says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Think about, think about this for a minute. Andrew was the first guy, right? Every time or this time he's mentioned, he's mentioned as Peter's brother. Okay. If it weren't for Andrew, Peter wouldn't be there. So why is he always referred to as Peter's brother? Now, if I'm Andrew, I'm thinking to myself, how about 
without saying Peter, I'm my own guy. How about just saying Andrew? I think the reason that he makes a point to say this is because Andrew didn't care that he got any recognition. Doesn't say he protested because all he cared about was bringing people to Jesus. He didn't care about who knew. He didn't care about anything else other than bringing people to the Messiah. Andrew was not in it for recognition. He was in it to bring people. And whatever happened after that was God's job. We're asking each one of us to bring someone to church on the 22nd. And as Keith has mentioned, I've mentioned many times, it's, we don't want it to be just a one-day thing. And I told the kids this. I'm getting them excited about bringing someone to church that day. We want us to be in the mindset of continually asking people, not just one day, but have it to not be so uncomfortable or so nerve-wracking when we ask someone. Do you, do you get nervous when you ask people about Jesus or ask them to church? Anybody get nervous when you do that? Kind of like, I still do. But it's something you have to get over. We want to get in the habit of being over that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Think of it this way. If we've experienced a miracle, or actually we're actually saved, we came to church because we know Christ, or whatever happened in our lives in a miraculous way, somebody had to be praying for you at that point, correct? And if someone's praying for you, that means somebody else must have brought that person to Jesus. You see where I'm going with this? If that person didn't bring person number X to Jesus, then that person would not be praying for you to receive what you received. And it's kind of convoluted, but you get what I'm saying? Everything that happens in God's economy that God uses people for, it's because somebody brought them to Jesus. If they had not done that, we would not be the recipients of what they were doing for us and how they were praying for us. Now, who else did Andrew bring? John 12, 20 says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew, in turn, told Jesus. So let's go back a little bit. Who's Philip? Philip was another person you did not hear, we don't hear about often, but he was like Andrew, he was a bringer. John 1.43 says this, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. What does Philip say? Come with me and see. So what happens? Philip talks to him about Jesus. He gets flack. He gets resistance from the person he's talking to. Hey, can anything good come from Nazareth? But he didn't give up. People may be hesitant to come with you to church. 
on that day or any day. But don't give up. Statistics tell us that most people when invited actually will go with you to church. But he didn't give up. Our response can be basically the same as Philip. Come and see. If they have questions that we can't answer, come and see. What's the Bible say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? In other words, let them take a chance. Let them take a chance. Bring them to church. Let God do what he's going to do. He also didn't try to persuade them. He didn't argue with them. He basically said, just come and see for yourself if what I'm saying is true or not. Because Philip knew that it's not his job to save anyone. Right? It's not our job to save anyone. Our job is to be witnesses. Our job is to bring people to Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus. When we plan this Invite Your One Day, the ultimate goal is for help us to understand and remember what our mission as believers is. Our job is to bring them to Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus. Let Jesus do the work. Asking someone to come with you is probably the least confrontational way to bring people to Christ. We used to, in our old church, do soul patrol. And that was two by two knocking on people's doors on a Saturday morning, inviting them to church. You don't get a lot of great responses from that. Not a lot of people are excited about you knocking on the door at eight o'clock on Saturday morning saying, hey, come to church with me, or giving them a track or telling them about Jesus. Asking someone to come with you that you interact with periodically is easy. It's not confrontational. It allows you to share with someone and encourage someone with the best thing that you and I have experienced. What has God done for me? Let me tell you what God's done for me. And you ask them to come and they come and then Jesus is able to do what he needs to do. You know, I understand nerves, worry about asking someone. I carry those tickets around with me, those, you know, please come with me, those invite your one tickets that are in the bulletin. And I've passed out about a half dozen of those, so it's invite your six so far. (laughs) We'll see how many actually come. But I'm praying that God is able to work in them and give them favor so that they do come. Our job is to ask. God's job is to bring them. And, and once you get over the initial nervousness about starting to talk, God is able to overcome that and take those nerves away. And I pray before I go in to talk to anyone, Lord, help me not to be nervous about this. Help me not to be, you know, all worried because everyone I've asked so far has had a positive response. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think I'll come. People are receptive to that, especially if they know you. But sometimes worry and nerves and fear get the better of us. How many have walked into some place and you you know you're going to share, you know you're going to talk about Jesus, and you leave without doing it? Because fear came over you. And I think we've all had points in our lives where we've done that. We kind of walk out and go, I should have said something, I should have said something, but I didn't. 
How many of us can look back in your life to the moment that you actually came to know Christ? And if you did that at an older age, you were excited. You didn't know anything, but you were really excited. And you couldn't shut up about you, this Jesus thing you knew. I remember when I first got saved and I went back to work, I did a lot of things that were probably, I look back at them now, they're kind of foolish, dumb, and, and arrogant. Why? Because I was just excited. And I, just, I couldn't shut up about what I was, what I was experiencing. And, but you know what happens over time? That excitement fades a little bit. I came across a song a long time ago. Actually, not a long time ago, but the song is an old song. I'm actually going to play it later, but I'm going to read the lyrics to you now. And the first time I heard this song, it was like, wow. Sanctus Real did the song and says, remember when you couldn't wait to show up early and find your place because you didn't want to miss a thing and your heart was open and ready for change. Oh, those days you were never afraid to sing Never afraid to lift your hands. You didn't care what people think because you were on fire. The church was more than a place. People were more than faces. And Jesus was more than a name. Remember when you weren't ashamed to tell your friends about your faith. A a time when you felt the pain of just one lost soul that was slipping away. Your heart was soft. You had radiant eyes. But slowly the pressures and burdens of life pulled you into the dark of the night. When did you lose your sight? Because you were on fire. Church was more than a place. People were more than faces, and Jesus was more than a name. Oh, you were on fire. You let life put out the flame, but he's still calling out to you because he wants to light your heart again and set it on fire. Turn your eyes and don't forget what it was like Set me on fire, set me on fire. I want to hold God's people close. I want to feel the power of Jesus' name. You know, I read that, and I heard that song again, and I thought about what John wrote to the Ephesians in Revelation. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 2 says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. we get out of the, the excitement phase and the can't shut up phase and we start doing things for God because that's what we want to do. And you persevere and you keep doing them, which is where we've all done that. And it goes on and says, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. And that's what we preached on a few weeks ago. Be careful who you listen to, what you watch. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Over the past several years, a lot of hardships in our local church. But you've persevered. Verse 4 says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. I believe our first love was not the ability to endure or the ability to persevere, and that comes with time. But the first love is the, exi- the excitement and the desire to be back at the point where you just can't shut up about Jesus. And you do things maybe that are foolish and unexplainable. 
but man, you're on fire. You're excited about it. You're excited about what God did for you and you want people to experience it as well. There's an old Keith Green song which is basically Psalm 51 put the words and there's one verse in there that says it all. It says, Rejoice unto me, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 51, 12. If we've gotten to the point where we're no longer excited about it, we do, we work, we do, we show up, but we don't have that, that excitement. Jesus says in Revelation, all those things are great. I've seen your hard work, I've seen your perseverance, you've endured hardships, but you're missing one thing. You're missing the excitement. You're missing the mission, the ability to persuade someone because you're excited about it. You know, I was in sales for a number of years and the, the number one thing you have to know about sales is you have to believe in your product. If you don't believe in it, you're not gonna ever be able to sell it. And I think sometimes when you lose the excitement, you lose a little bit of the believing in the product. Because when you're excited and, you, and you're new at this, and man, all you know is what Jesus did for you. And that's all you can tell someone. Man, he just transformed me. I was this way, now I'm that way. And you can't understand it until you get there. But then over time, you lose the excitement. And you become diligent. And maybe you don't see as much in your own life as you did when you first got saved. And so you're kind of hesitant. You know, maybe God's not gonna do what I think. Maybe God's not gonna work. Maybe God's not gonna show up. I don't wanna put myself out there and God doesn't show up. When you're newly saved, none of that stuff matters because you, you know what God's gonna do because he did it for you. But over time, we tend to get, I call it, de-energized. And the question I have here, the last question, just ask ourselves, where, where are we at on this road? Uh, man, are you energized? Are you excited? Are you new at this? Or maybe you've been at this for a while, but you're still excited about it. Or maybe you've been at it for a while and not so much anymore. I believe that in order for us to be effective, in what, doing what God calls us to do, we need to be the ones who are excited about it. We need to renew that in us. In us. And I'm gonna close, we're gonna play that song because the, the music does a lot more than just reading the lyrics because the way the music's written really is, is powerful. Key change and everything. But go ahead, Brad, if you can play that for us. Do we need to be set on fire again? Do we need to be excited about what God's doing? If you're there, God can change that. God can re-energize. God can rekindle that flame that's in you. Maybe you're at the point where you are on fire. You're excited about things of God. Let's turn that excitement outward into what God has called us to do. Remember the Great Commission, that's on us. You look at every instance in the book where God intervenes with someone. God usually uses people to do his work.
even when Jesus was there, he used his disciples to do his work, to bring people in to go witness. Now that Jesus has ascended, that job falls on us. That's our job. And if you're excited for the things of God, if you're excited for what God's already done for you and what God's going to do in the future, that should be our catalyst to be able to not be afraid, not be nervous. But man, you got the best thing in the world to share with someone. And we have the ability to maybe transform someone's life. Not us, obviously, but Jesus. When we fill this place on September 22nd and every week after that, we want to cover all these, all these chairs with people so that they can experience the same excitement we did however many years ago it was for us. Would you stand as we close this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you know about Jesus. You know about him in your head. You've heard people talk about him. Maybe you've been in church for a long time. But you don't, you've never had the excitement. You've never been to the point where you just can't shut up about Jesus. Because you never really knew Jesus in your heart. You knew about him. You knew people talking about him. But you've never experienced that personally. Well, the Bible says that God brings you here for that purpose. There are no coincidences in God's kingdom. God orchestrates everything so that people can hear his good news. And the Bible says that today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, you've never come to him to bring you into his family. That's why you're here this morning. If that's you and you feel that tug of God in your heart, you feel like you want to respond, you want to do something, that's the Spirit of God in you making you want to do that. So if that's you and you don't have that relationship, but man, you want it. You want the excitement. You want the joy that you get from that. I want you to raise your hand right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you're the person in that song. That you were on fire at one point. You were excited about the things of God at one point. But as the song says, you let the pressures and burdens of life put out the flame. Well, the Bible says that God wants to re-energize that. God wants to rekindle that flame. God wants to make that into a roaring fire in your life so that you are once again excited about what God has done, excited about the person of Christ, excited about what God's going to do in and through you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I think you all know where you are on that spectrum. Maybe you need God to re-energize you. Maybe you need God to as the song says, set you on fire for the things of God again. It's easy. It's easy to let the cares of the world draw you away. It's easy even for the things of the church 
to draw you away from the person and the excitement of Christ. As John said in Revelation, they were doing everything right. They were doing and doing and doing. But they didn't have the excitement. They didn't have the, the flame in their heart about it. Maybe you've been involved in church work all your life, your ministry, but you're no longer excited about it. You do it because it's a job. You do it because you've always done it. God wants to re-energize that so you do it not because it's a job but because you are a love to do it. You can't do anything else but this. And part of that means going outside of here and living this outside of this building. Talking to people outside this building. The people you interact with, your family, your friends, the people you do business with. Man, you just, you can't Shut up about Jesus. That's the excitement we want to have. And that's the excitement God promises to give. All we have to do is open ourselves up to it. And I'm asking you, open yourself up to it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus. We are so excited for what you've done in our lives. We look back and we see tremendous blessing and miracles and power. And Lord, we know that you will continue to do that. And we want to be as excited about that now as we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we want to be on the forefront telling people how great you are. And we want to be able to say it with exuberance and excitement and fire. Because knowing you, Lord, is the best thing we have ever done in our lives. If you never do anything more for us, Lord, you are still the best thing that's ever happened to us. So, Father, I pray that you would re-energize each one of us here. Regardless of where we are on that, that road, we want to be re-energized. We want to be filled with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us, fill this place. Excite us, Lord. Ignite that flame of fire, excitement in our lives and allow us to leave here this morning re-energized, almost reborn again with the same exuberance we had when we first came to know you. Father, thank you for what you have done in the past, but we know that you have even better things for us in the future. So, Father, I commit this church to you. I commit each person that's here today to you, that you do the work in their lives, that the Holy Spirit is able to re-energize them, to fill them, to give them joy and happiness and encouragement and peace again, so that when we leave here today, Lord, we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have been changed, not by our might, but by the Spirit of God who dwells in each one of us. So Father, we commit ourselves to you and to that end, and we do it in Jesus' name, for his sake, his honor, his glory, and for his kingdom. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, I'm excited. What God's gonna do, amen? You excited, you on fire?
Amen. Have a great week. We will see you Wednesday night and then again next Sunday. Be in prayer about the 22nd. Don't forget, bring people in.